Cool, cool, cool. All right. Well, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me, please, to Proverbs chapter 18. And I'm going to read one verse from Proverbs chapter 18. As always, I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, unless otherwise stated. And so Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, reads as follows. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The title of my message today is also a question. So do me a favor. Turn to the person next to you. Look them up and down and ask them, what are you saying? Now you've got to ask them like you mean it. Turn to them and ask them, what are you saying? And when I talk about what are you saying, I am focusing on the power of the tongue and the power of our words. What are you saying? I personally find language to be such an interesting phenomenon. The fact that you can take a single word, spell exactly the same way, and yet, depending on the context, that word has several different connotations and meanings. For example, if I was to say to you, turn over, a number of different things might come to your mind. For some of you, you might be thinking about turning over physically. For some of you, you might be thinking about turning over a page. To say that same word in the context of a bakery, I could be talking about an apple turnover, as my wife would know, because she's a foodie. <laughs> Take that same word in the context of a boardroom and in a business context, I could be talking about income and finances. Same word, different context, has a whole different connotation. Not to mention the fact that when it comes to words, when you put words together in a sentence, even though it is the same words and it's the same sentence, just by your variation of tone, it can take on a whole different meaning. Take, for example, the question that you just asked your neighbor, what are you saying? It can take on a whole different meaning if I say to you, what are you saying? And then I say to you, what are you saying? In the same way, it can mean something different if I was to say, what are you saying, what are you saying? <laughs> so turn to your neighbor and ask them, what are you saying, what are you saying? <laughs> and growing up in primary school, we used to have a banger, a number one top selling song. If you went to a half decent primary school, you'll be familiar with this song. And if you're familiar with it, Help me finish the lyrics. It went something like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but this side went to a decent school. You guys, what happened? <laughs> Sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. How many of you know that that is furthest from the truth? Most of the pain that you've experienced in your life, I know some of you were a bit of a roughneck back in your days and you had some physical fights, but most of the pain that you've experienced in your life hasn't been physical. Most of the pain that's been caused in your life has been verbal. It's been the words that have been spoken to you or said to you. Either as an adult or even maybe when you were a child, that a parent or an adult 
didn't think that you would recall or remember. Most of the pain that we've experienced hasn't been physical. It's been through the power of words. Sometimes words we've mumbled to ourselves in our homes, in our rooms, about our life, about our circumstances, and about our future. Today, I want to give you two things to note about the tongue and the power of our words. And then I'm going to give you three things you should do with your words. Are you ready for them? Are you ready for them? Number one, two things to note about the tongue. Number one, you cannot tame the tongue, but you can speak against negative words. You cannot tame the tongue, but you can speak against negative words. Look at James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. It reads as follows. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of of deadly poison. When it comes to the words spoken to us, we can't control what other people may say to us. As much as we may try to be slow to speak and quick to listen, we can't always say the same for others or control their tongue. But I've come to realize that though we can't control what others may say about us, we do not have to accept negative words spoken towards us. We do not have to focus on the negative words that have been sent in our direction. And some of you know that though you cannot tame the tongue, you have the power to speak against its negativity. And do you know how I know some of you know? I know because some of you, and you can put your hand up if you're this type of person, even when a stranger walks past you and mumbles something under their breath, you're like, blood of Jesus, I rebuke that. How many of you are like that? There you go, because you know the power of words, that's why. And so even if we don't know what's been said towards us, we have the power to come against negative words. When the enemy uses people to try and speak evil over our lives, to try and pronounce curses or try to pronounce a negative future towards us, we have the power to counteract them in the spiritual realm. How do I know this? Because my Bible tells me in Isaiah 54 verse 17. This is what it says. It says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, God shall condemn. Is that what it says? What does it say? Who? You shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. What is heritage? Inheritance means it's not just for them, it's for you. It's for us today. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. When negative words are spoken against you, I'm not saying that you condemn the people in person and confront them to their face because we wrestle not against flesh and blood but you can come against those words in the place of spiritual warfare you can come against those words in the place of prayer just because it was spoken against you does not mean that you have to accept it 
And maybe words were spoken towards you that you'll never do better. You'll never be better. You'll never get more than this. You'll never find someone like him. You'll never find someone like her. You'll never find better than me. You'll never find better than them. You have the power through the word of God and Christ in you to speak against every negative word. Ask the person next to you, what are you saying? Number two, the tongue cannot be used for good and evil. So choose one. The tongue cannot be used for good and evil, so choose one. It's funny because I don't swear. And this has always been the case since I was younger. Even before I accepted Christ, it was just the way I, I was brought up. It, it wasn't my nature. To the extent that I remember in secondary school, there was a teacher that my head teacher and other staff weren't too sure about. They felt that she told a lot of lies on other staff and other pupils. And I remember my head teacher saying the last straw was when she came to me and accused Kunle of swearing at me in every lesson. The head teacher turned around and said, everybody knows that Kunle doesn't swear. Now, I don't say that to boast. I say that to tell you a story that I've told you many a times, that though I don't swear, one of my greatest fears is one day preaching to you guys and accidentally, under the annoyance instead of the anointing, end up swearing or saying a swear word. And I've heard pastors do it. I've heard it. I've been in services where I've heard pastors swear. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a video online where this lady who claimed to be a prophetess was sharing, but I couldn't receive what she was saying because she was sharing and swearing. So she was saying stuff like, uh, you saints of God, you've got to get your S together. You've got to get your S together. F the world. Focus on the Bible. I was like, um, I don't know which one to receive right now. It, it, it's, it's very tough for me. And when it comes to the tongue, I remember we had a Bible uh, study a few years ago in church. Some of you may remember it. And we had this discussion about how it's become common now for even believers to swear and act like it's normal, to justify it when the Bible is very clear on its stance in regards to foul language. In case you didn't know, James chapter 3, verses 10 to 12 says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. You cannot use your tongue to curse one minute and then use the same tongue the next minute to praise God. You have to choose to use your tongue and words as a well of life. So tell your neighbor, choose one. Every day we have the opportunity to use our words to sow seeds. And I believe we should do this by using our words to speak life. And here are a number of areas in our lives I believe we should speak life into. I'm going to give you three, three ways in which we should use our tongue and our words. And by this, I'm talking about through our declarations and I'm talking about through our prayers as well. The first area that we should do or the first thing we should do with our words is we should speak life into your circles. Speak life into your circles. A few years ago, on the way back from a pastor's conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, 
I decided that I was going to go and, um, and visit Atlanta. I'd heard so much about it, never been, so I said I'm going to stop there for a couple of days. Anyone been to Atlanta before? Okay, a handful of people. It was the first time I'd ever been to Atlanta, and I remember getting into the Uber, and um, I asked the Uber driver, oh, what, what's Atlanta like? And I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, um, Atlanta is like Sodom and Gomorrah in the heart of New York. To which I said, thank you very much. <laughs> for your kind welcome. But whilst I was in Atlanta, I had the opportunity to go and visit the Martin, uh, Martin Luther King uh, Junior Museum. Has anyone been there before? Okay, one or two people. Now, what many of you may or may not know is that, of course, Martin Luther King gave the famous speech, I have a dream, but it didn't quite plan out as was expected at that time. Yes, he gave that speech on the 28th of August, 1963. But prior to giving his speech, he had his speech prepared. It was all laid out. He met with his manager the night before, Wyatt Walker, who told him what to take out from the script and what to leave in. But when the day came and he was to give his speech, sat behind him in the corner on the stage was a gospel artist by the name Mahalia Jackson. And as Martin Luther was sticking to his script and going through his script to the crowd, she sat behind him and kept shouting, tell him about the dream. 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 And she wouldn't stop. And she would just be berating him. Tell him, tell him, tell him about the dream. To the extent that Martin Luther King shuffled his papers to the side and decided to go off script in which we now have that famous speech, I have a dream. I wonder how many people today are grateful for the people that God put behind them who shouted, you can do it. You can make it. I believe in you. Tell them about the dream. And I wonder, equally so, how many people who are ready to quit right now who are ready to give up on life, who've had enough of day-to-day -day life, would keep going if you got behind them with the power of your words and said, I believe in you. I'm praying for you. And not just saying that, because believers will say that, and their prayer for you is in the 10 seconds that you're walking towards them when they see you next. You see, encouragement costs you nothing but yet it can make all the difference. A few words can change somebody's world. Do you know how many people in our circles we take for granted day in, day out? Where we ought to turn around and use our words to give encouragement, to say thank you, and to spur people on with the power of our words. We have the power to speak life into our circles, and I want to encourage each and every one of us Please do not take the people around you for granted, but speak life into your circles. Sometimes in life we get so carried away with who's not around us at the extent of those who are, who didn't turn up to the party, who didn't turn up to the event, rather than those who are there. Tell the person next to you, speak life into your circles. Number two, speak life into our world. First Timothy chapter two, verse four, Speaking of God says, who desires all men to be saved and to come 
to the knowledge of the truth. There's so much going on in our world today that you will never be short of prayer points. From the Ukraine-Russia war to the Israel-Palestine war, from the cost of living crisis to the things that are happening in our community to the food poverty crisis, the list is endless. But unfortunately, sometimes as believers, we focus too much on ourselves that there's no balance. And we're no longer hurt by the things that hurt God. Do you remember when Joseph was in prison in Genesis chapter 40? How did he get out of prison? He was remembered eventually by a butler. Why was he remembered by that butler? Because he interpreted the butler's dream. How did he interpret the butler's dream? Do you know how? He saw the butler, he saw the countenance of the butler, and he asked him, why do you look so sad today? Sometimes we are so busy with our own challenges that we don't take the time to notice the countenance of others around us. Joseph could have looked at his situation and said, I'm in the prison, I shouldn't be here, I was wrongly put here, I need to get out of it. He could have focused on everything that was going on in his life and decide not to use the gift that God has given him as a result. But no, he decided to look around him and he noticed the countenance of the butler and took the time to ask him, why are you sad today? Suicide surprises us because sometimes people around us look like they've got it all together. They look like things are okay. We need to take time to speak life into our world and to pray for those around us and to look at the countenance of our brothers and sisters and be our brother and sisters keepers to ask them what is happening in their world so that we can pray for them. God loves people and desires that all men come to him. And sometimes it feels like our prayers may have no effect compared to the magnitude of the challenges we see happening around us. However, the Bible says, if you have faith like that of a mustard seed, I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed before. That thing is so tiny. It's almost, almost the size of maybe a sesame seed on a bun, maybe half that size. And God says, if you have faith that size, you can move mountain. What would happen if we all put that seed together, if we all came together to pray for our world, to pray for our community? And the Bible says that we should speak life into our world. We should speak life into our nation. We should pray for our leaders our leaders in society, our leaders in community too. Talking of community, I live on the Old Kent Road, or just off it. Do you know what the Old Kent Road is synonymous for? Church. Churches. Church Road. <laughs> and I remember people would complain about the number of churches on the Old Kent Road, because how many of you know Christians love a complaint? They will complain that we've got so many different Bible translations, even though they're not reading one. And nobody complains when one news agent opens across the road from another. When one chicken shop opens next to another chicken shop. But the moment it's a church, we've got a problem. There's too many churches opening, there's too many churches opening. What people don't know is that pastors like myself and some of those pastors on the Old Kent Road of those churches would pray for the Old Kent Road. And as a result of our prayers, we saw more nightclubs shut down and we saw less crime happen 
because we came together to pray and not complain. You'll be amazed what God can do in our world when we come together and pray for our community. It's very easy to look on social media and to look at the TV and complain and huff and puff. But when last did you pray about the things you're complaining about? When last did you pray for the peace of God to move in our world? Tell the person next to you, speak life into our world. And number three, speak life into your world. Speak life into your world. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Someone's alarms telling me my sermon is over. It's not over yet. I've still got some time. Kate Middleton, Princess of Wales, spoke faith into her future. When she was at university, St. Andrews, she put up a poster of Prince William on her bedroom wall. And every time uh, her friends came, she would point to the poster and say, I'm going to marry that man. And the rest is history. Now, when I talk about speaking faith into your world and speaking life into your world, I'm not talking about claiming husbands and wives. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Someone once said to me, oh, I, I, I believe God is telling me this person is my, my spouse, referring to another person. And I said, there's just one problem, just a small problem. Just, it's not, not a big problem, just a small problem. They're married to someone else, but it's just a, just a small problem. But the reason why I give that example is because sometimes I find it funny that People of the world have faith. How much more Christ dwelling in you? And I find it funny sometimes that people of no faith have more faith than people of the faith. And if people in the world can declare things for themselves, how much more when God has put the power in you to speak life into your world? Someone say, speak life into your world. You have to say what you want to see in order to see what you say happen according to God's will. You have the power to speak healing into your life. You have the power to speak faith, growth, and all those things that you want to see God do in your life into your life. And listen to me, this is not mind over matter. This is not motivational speaking. If you really believe in the power of the tongue, and what the Bible has to say about life and death being in the power of tongue, then this is about faith over the matter. The challenge is, is that as we grow as believers, we become more pessimistic. So when the pastor or the leader is saying, declare this thing, you sit there and say, I've been there before. I've heard it all before. But actually, if you believe in the word of God, which says there is power in the tongue, then you have the power to speak restoration into your family. Peace into your home. And you can stand on the scriptures and begin to decree and declare the goodness of God into your life. I want to encourage you to speak peace where there is turmoil. Joy where there is sadness. Hope where there is fear. Salvation where there is life. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. I encourage you to remind yourself that God has a plan for you. That you are the head and not the tail. That you are above and not beneath. Tell your neighbor, I am all of that, you know. I don't know if you recognize. I'm all of that. Tell them I'm all of that and a bag of chips. I'm thick cut chips too. I'm tell, tell them I'm all of that and a pot of jollof. Long grain rice though. Long grain, long grain. 
Don't just accept things as they are. Learn to pray, declare, and speak God's word into your world as God works according to the power he has put within us. I close with this. I want to show you two scriptures. And I want you to look at these scriptures very clearly and closely. The first one is found in Exodus chapter 17, verse 6. And it reads as follows. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall... You shall... You shall... Strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Moses is leading the children of God, the children of Israel, out of the wilderness. They need water. And God tells Moses, strike the rock. Look at Numbers chapter 20. And look at verse 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, then what does he say? Speak. What does he say? Speak. Speak to the rock. In Exodus, he tells him to strike. In Numbers, he's telling him to speak to the rock before their eyes. And it will yield its water. Thus ye shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Now listen to this, verse 9. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. Okay. That's fine. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. That's fine. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and what? Struck. Struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. And that was fine. But then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and says, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. In one season, God told Moses, strike the rock. In another season, he said, speak to the rock. But Moses decided to strike the rock. And he did so because he was acting out of frustration. And when you act out of frustration, it shows that you don't trust God. And this is what God was addressing him on. And when you don't trust God, it's reflected in your actions. And his actions cost him the promise. Many of you have heard me say before that Esther and I have been married almost three years. Our first year was terrible. At a time, she says, yeah. At a time where you would expect to be in your honeymoon period or celebrating, it was turmoil. And I didn't even know if we were going to get through the first year. And I remember I was studying the word of God, my personal devotion, looking at the Old Testament and specifically the first five books. And I remember getting to Exodus and reading this verse where God told Moses to strike the rock, and then get into Numbers and reading where God told Moses to speak to the rock. When God said to me in that moment, Kunle, you have been striking the very thing you should be speaking life into. 
He says, your actions, your behavior, your negative words have all been striking this rock of marriage out of frustration. And you will not see the promise unless you begin to speak life into your marriage. Fast forward almost three years. Just last month, we were away for Esther's birthday. And she asked me, as we were talking about how good our marriage is now, she asked me, what do you think has been the difference? Without hesitation, I said, the power of prayer. And I knew it was speaking life into the marriage. Because rather than striking with my words and my actions, I went to my prayer closet and I said, Lord, you gave me this promise. I speak life into this marriage. I speak life into this home. I speak joy into this home. What areas of your life have you neglected the power of prayer? What areas of your life are you striking with your actions, with your behavior, with your pessimistic mindset, where God wants you to be speaking life? Life into your circles, life into our world, life into your world, life to your faith, life to your marriage, life to your friendships. There's one baby at the back that agrees with me. Life into your finances, life into your health and that which is going on in your life today because there is power of life and death in the tongue. So what are you doing with your words? If you really believe there is power in life, life and death in the power of tongue, then maybe you need to ought to start acting like you do once again. Because there is a time when you did, but life caught up with you. And God wanted me to tell you today, use your words wisely. Because they contain power. Amen. Amen. Right now, we're going to put what we've learned into practice. And this is how we're going to do it. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you just to put your hand on the shoulder of a brother or sister next to you. And I want you to speak life into their life. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Because when you do, you will say things that they haven't told you. But he's told you that he wants you to pray for them. And then when I say switch, I want you to get out of your chair and find someone else. And I want you to declare the goodness of God over their life and be bold in your prayer over them. And when I say switch, you're going to find someone else and you're going to speak the goodness of God into your life. Are you ready to pray this morning? Are you ready to pray, church? Let's jump up on our feet. The praise and worship team are going to come. And whilst they're leading us in a song, I want you to put your hand on on the shoulder of a brother or sister and begin to pray right now. Begin to speak life and be led by the Holy Spirit. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. Come on, church. Let's open up our mouths and begin to pray. Come on, let's speak life into their life. Let's speak the goodness of God. Where there is fear, we want fear to be removed. Where there is doubt, we want doubt to be removed. Where there is anxiety, we come against anxiety right now. Through the blood of Jesus, there is power of life and death in our tongues. So go ahead and pray for your brothers right now. Pray for your sisters. And those of you online, you can pray right now for those that are with you or those who you know need prayer right now. Begin to declare God's goodness.
in their lives. In Jesus' name. Would you switch and find someone else? Switch and find someone else and begin to pray over them right now. Move out of your seats. There is freedom here. Move out of your seats and begin to pray and speak God's goodness over their life. Come on, church. Let's put into practice what we're praying and believing God for right now. Holy Spirit, move right now. Do something new in us, Miss Lord Jesus. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's not stop praying. Let's not stop praying. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you online as well, you can pray. Would you switch right now and find one more person to pray for? Find one more person to pray for right now. Husbands, find your wives, brothers, find your sisters and begin to pray for them right now. Thank you, Jesus. Let's begin to pray. Let's speak the goodness of God in their lives right now and declare God's goodness and strength and mercy and peace over their life. They will never be the same from today. They will walk in the power of God within them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. As you return to your seats, let's just be led by the praise and worship team in this song and in this moment of worship. Let's lift our hands to heaven this morning and let's give him praise. Amen. Come on, church. Let's worship him. Use our words. There are power in words to worship him. So let's worship him right now. Let our words be a sweet, sweet sound. Come on, let's lift our voices and sing that nice and loudly one more time. Thank you, Lord.
At this time, I'd like us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to pray for you if you're here today. And you're saying, Pastor Kunle, I've heard the word that has gone forth this morning. And I've realized that I have become quite negative in this season of my life. Yes, I pray, but I pray and I'm not sure that I believe like I used to believe. And I need to say, Lord, help my unbelief. Maybe you're here today and you've just looked at your circumstances, your finances, your age, your health. And rather than speaking life, you've just chose to take the negative thoughts of life as weight into your life. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will envelope you with his love right now and remind you of his goodness in your life and the fact that you have the power to declare his goodness over your life. And so if that's you, you know you've been dealing with negativity in one way, shape, or form or the other, just raise your hands nice and high to heaven right now. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room. Father Lord, we thank you for the hands that are lifted high. For those who have been dealing with the negative thoughts and challenges of day-to-day -day life and their lives and their world. And we just ask, Lord, for a fresh wind and a fresh anointing upon their lives, Lord. We pray, Lord, that they will meditate, as your word says, on those things which are good, which are full of joy, which are full of peace, which are full of life. We pray, Lord, that they will say no to the flesh and step into the new man and creation that they are in you. Lord, let their minds be filled with your goodness and with your grace. And may they be reminded that they have the power to declare and decree those things which they want to see come to pass in their lives, Lord. In Jesus' name we have prayed.